Joe and Viva. Hi, Joe. Hey, Viva. How are you doing? Good. It's finally snowing here. Yeah. I believe it. It's snowing, but it's... Oh, what is it? Minus... It's supposed to be like minus 23C, which is freezing, basically, for those Americans down there um, who are listening. It's cold. It's really cold. But this is like the first real cold weekend we've had uh, since the beginning since of winter. This winter, for sure. And I can feel it. Like, I feel it in my body. Um, yesterday, I was scratching everywhere. I was so itchy because the the way the, the way it works is just our, our, our heating is always on the fan is always on so and my skin becomes really dry whenever the temperature drops yeah so yeah i totally feel it which as is well as, with rheumatism as well i had a bit of rheumatism yesterday and i get that in my legs and in my wrists whenever there's a snowstorm yeah and there's a bit of a snow, snowstorm right now so there you go why never need to look at the weather online you can just ask me yeah i'm like why are you aching because there's a storm coming. Yeah, like an old woman. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I mean, just total tangent here. Like, like our own like, like I don't, not physical weaknesses in a sense. Like, okay, so Vivo mentioned again having dry skin. Like, I don't have dry skin. For I have this like superiorly like moisture skin. So yes. like, it has to be. I lived in Calgary for a few years, and that was really freaking dry. Um, no issues really with me, but. I have flat feet, so it's kind of like, it's kind of funny, and your feet are perfect. My feet have this perfect arch. This is just, this is one of those things, and I love, we both love to walk, hike, like that's our our, our go-to thing, because we love to kind of chat and hike, but of course I have to have flat feet, so I usually have to have like an insole in my shoe. You could be barefoot or like the, the worst type of shoe. And I'm okay. And you're okay, but on the contrast, in dry winters, you're shriveling up. And I'm itchy. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, so this episode, um, the first half, we kind of want to maybe flesh out a little bit, um, like, you know, where we studied, you know, and sort of what we did, what's our background, just so folks kind of are aware, you know, right now we're at the point of transitioning to Rome, but we thought we'd maybe take a few steps back and just chat about, you know, what did we study in university, what did we do, you know, what kind of work did we do afterwards, and, uh, you know, prior to us kind of making the jump to uh, working at the church. So, uh, just so you can understand a little bit bit better who we are and our background and everything yeah so why don't you uh, why don't you kick yeah. us off Shumgev? i'll start so well all my schooling was done in the montreal area uh, like we mentioned before i was not willing to relocate <laughs> so i um the way it works in quebec is that after high school you have two years of cejep and cejep is just pre-university college that you go to um you have the choice of either taking a technical class a course for three years and that gives you a job like uh, nursing or um, police or all well, places a bit different but uh, some sort of trade dental hygiene yeah so basically yeah, trades yeah. trade school yeah. and um, or you could just take two years of pre-university which is what I did and honestly guys Sejap was the best time ever it was so awesome because you have much more freedom than you have in high school they don't really take attendance they don't call your parents if you don't show up but um but at the same time it, there, there's no really big stakes because it's pre-university so as long as you pass then you'll be accepted in a university i guess the program you choose is a bit important for prerequisites for university but that's the only thing so oh it was so much fun all my sisters chose very uh uh, French-speaking kind of programs. Two of them did a tr- city to trade, but I just decided to go for fun. So I went to an English-speaking Sejep, which is really close to my house. Uh, so that was really good for my English skills, and I studied languages. 
So I learned Italian and Spanish. What? Italian? Yeah, Italian. So it's all, it it's all ties all, in. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. So for some mm. reason, I just decided to learn Italian and I loved it. And Sejep was a blast. It was awesome. I loved it a lot. And then I went to translation in university. So that was a three-year program. I studied translation from English to French. And I kind of specialized in medical technical translation which was really helpful because afterwards when I was done I moved to Calgary right away and I could work from home for a company who sells lab products and I was translating their website yeah so it was just the perfect perfect job and God was so awesome in giving it to me because it was what I studied in I could work from home it was exactly my specialization and uh, on the side, I was also working as a proofreader for a newspaper. I mentioned that a bit before. It was just I was replacing, uh, filling in whenever the main proofreader couldn't do it. And um, I really love that as well because I feel like translation requires a lot of creativity mm. because you need to be able to um, come up with ways to say stuff. Yeah. And I don't have creativity at all. And I did not know that about myself, but I really don't. Coming yeah. up with something new is really hard. Even just writing emails to friends. I have to ask Joe to help me yeah, out. Yeah, I'm like, I why is this taking so long? Just I just can't, <laughs> I just can't put it into words. Yeah. Um, but proofreading is much more easier, much easier for me because I just have to correct mistakes. That's that's your that's your forte, yeah. which is my forte. And yeah, I have to tweak sometimes formulations, but it's basically just um, making sure the text is uh, no mistakes. And I love following rules and following. Uh, there you go. That's right. So uh, proofreading was my 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 favorite job ever. Yeah. And uh, and then I quit both just before well, we were trying to get pregnant. In Houston, yeah. In Houston, I quit. And then three months later, I was pregnant. And that was the end of working for me. Then you began working full-time as a mom. As a mom. And so that is probably that is hard harder. because there's no break. There's, there's no, no break. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, we for just for those are yeah we don't have this Sejep thing. This is yeah this was totally like bizarre. I'm like, why? Are you, what's this intermediate two year thing? Because I guess you end high school. I think what we would say grade eleven. I think, and then you do two years, and then you go to university. So you have this. We have weird, one less year in yeah, high school than Ontario does. That was that was yeah. I, we're we're not used to that at all. So. Yeah, it's. It, I think it's unique in yeah. the world. <laughs> so I mean, for me, uh, um, like I would say in high school. Uh, I was I was going through sort of lots of discernment to what exactly to do. I think for the most the first few years, I really I was always a a good student. I was uh, pretty bright, doing doing well in all my classes. High school, I just stopped caring for the most part for like the first two years. Um, later on, it might be like grade eleven, so my second to last year uh, really took a a fondness to to cooking. Surprisingly, uh, that's always a, a little bit of a shock to people. And to this day, you still bake a lot. You're a very good baker. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I, I guess I was really drawn to. I don't know. It's it was one of those those arts. I suppose I was just very interested in, especially in uh, dessert making, which I found to be like this very highly skilled thing. So I don't know. It's like during during those like grade eleven years, kind of dabbling a bit with that and. Almost getting to the point where I was maybe actually going to go, I think I had to choose like, a, I could have done it like an apprenticeship or something, but uh, my mom, wise words from my mom or something, but anyway, she kind of mentioned like, I don't know what it was, like she said you could always, I guess she knew my skills very well, my talents very well, in a sense, my, my, my smarts, and she basically called me out like, you know, I, I think you can do something a little bit more challenging for your skills, like I feel like maybe you're taking an easy route. 
And in some ways, maybe that was true. So at, at, at that point, basically, like grade 12, I did a complete 180. I just went full hard on the sciences and math, the physics and all that, and did well. Afterwards, I went to uh, University of Toronto f- to do chemical engineering for four years, plus an, uh, an apprenticeship for a year, uh, internship. And yeah, I was the, so my family, I was the, the third one to go through that program. One of my elder sisters went through chemical engineering at U of T. Uh, a brother of mine, elder of mine, went to chemical engineering at U of T. I went to chemical engineering at U of T. Uh, I have a brother who just finished chemical engineering at U of T. And I have another brother right now who's doing electrical engineering at U of T. So that's, what is that? A smart family. <laughs> this is a very unique, like, that's sort of our kind of skill set, surprisingly. Anyways, that's how our minds work. So we're all very, we're, we're very inclined in that way. Interestingly, as my, my family is a, you can see the difference in temperaments because my family is much more people-oriented. Oh, yeah. So I have two elementary school teachers, one nurse, psychiatric nurse, and I'm the odd translation person, but, and my yeah. mom is a pastoral minister, and my father's a salesman. Wow. Isn't that interesting? And here we are all mashed up, right? So this That's is, right. This is again, you, you can kind of see yeah, the temperaments and the, sort of our personalities and our family of origins, how they kind of shape who we are. And it's, that was always, that was an interesting clash of worlds in a sense. Just, I mean, there's, we could talk about so many little nuances of how I think and live and how you think and live, how your family does things, how my family does things. So and different. Sort of in many ways, this is an odd, contradictory relationship, but it's, it's been very fruitful and I think necessary. Because it, it was complementary. We have different set of strengths and we just put them together and I think it makes us really good and strong. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. And especially, I mean, now thinking about and, you know, as it relates even to the, to the church as a whole, I think that's a very necessary component for, you know, People have different views and strengths and weaknesses to kind of really come together and really be able to talk, dialogue humbly and, you know, work out some. That's a very that's a very important thing. So sometimes the idea is like, you know, you know, stick with the people you like. And it's, that's I don't I, I've kind of swayed away from that a little bit in a sense. I mean, I mean we're taking a tangent yes, here, know, but yeah. it's just we can talk about that yeah, more in the second half. But. Yeah. But anyways, that's that's sort of a tangent. So anyways, yeah, my definitely more science, logic, math oriented kind of folks in my family. So afterwards, um, I may have mentioned, so I moved to Calgary after university. Um, I worked at Imperial Oil. That was my first job. You know, that was, again, my sister had already, she was working there as well in Calgary. So that was that was nice kind of having family out there. Um, so that was, I mean, talk about for me, that's, you know, as, as a chemical engineer, that's kind of like the, the golden tippet, ticket type of work, right? So I got into a great job, great, you know, great pay, oil and gas company. Um, yeah, I, I started off doing what we call it process design um, well, basically like if there were projects for refineries I would sort of design the equipment you know if they wanted to make more gas but they were limited I would basically help design what you know new facilities they would need so I really liked it I mean I really enjoyed it uh, my first two years there was a lot of learning there and and uh, you know at, at, near the end of it I was getting kind of already a little bit lulled a little bit in my experience there um, but fortunately after being there for two years they had asked me to uh, go on an expat assignment, which is uh, which was an awesome treat. Very, it's not a very common thing to get, especially at at my age. But yeah, I was able to go to Houston for two years, which I mentioned before, and I did basically more work, bigger projects, kind of stuff. I worked on you know, a hundred million, billion dollar projects kind of thing, right? So I went oh, we can to, talk about the Singapore project in our trip there. Oh, yeah. Later show. Yeah, but That's yeah, like that, that basically going to Houston basically allowed me to see, primarily, I mean, like it just expanded my worldview so much. I mean, just as Viva mentioned, we went to Singapore. We were, I was there in total for about three weeks. 
fantastic experience at least for me i really enjoyed it. i think you enjoyed it when when i was there with you but uh yeah it was just again so this is this was kind of my world you know oil and gas you know getting to experience these crazy realities you know we were doing we were doing comfortably well for ourselves and stuff it was just us two um during that time in houston and we were trying to conceive but god didn't want it yeah not just, yet just not, not yet that's right so not we yet. really enjoyed ourselves yeah, but but reasonably. I always look back and think, like, I thought we did yeah. a pretty good job. And we saved a lot of money, which allowed us to buy this house. Yeah. So all these, it, it, all, it these, all, all, these all these things connect, right? <laughs> but it's, so I'm, I'm kind of trying to share this in a sense that I had all this kind of stuff. And yet, I tell you, I mean, I can't imagine how many times I bothered Junviev about, like, you know, should I be doing this? This doesn't, you know, I feel like I should be doing something else. And I probably even threw out Rome a few times, even at that point. But it was... Uh, I, I quickly learned that, you know, my, my time there and uh, as much as I appreciate the experience and everything, it just, I didn't feel like I was where I had to be. And that seems kind of arbitrary for some folks, maybe, but um, it was just something on my heart for the longest time. So, I mean, it was, it was probably one of the reasons later on after I came back from Houston to Ontario, uh, I quit after a year. But uh, yeah, this this is this was sort of our world. I mean, it, we could have easily stayed and made a very good, comfortable living off that. But yeah. I think the Lord was calling us for something a little bit uh, deeper, more profound, a little bit more mysterious, maybe. And I think we 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 needed to proceed in that. So that was, you know. And right now, I mean, I I, I just finished my job here as the business manager. So that's sort of been my you know seven years of experiences. You know, five years in chemical engineering and a little bit of this. And honestly, just like speaking about money, you said living very comfortable, but I noticed something very strange is that money disappears very fast. When you were an engineer here, I guess we were renovating and all that, but yeah. I mean, not that money was tight, but money was going very quickly. And with substantially less money at this business manager position, somehow we're doing very good still. It's yeah, just yeah, about prioritizing where, where we spend our money and being careful with like, groceries and, and clothes and stuff, but it's just weird. Like more money makes you spend more. It's an odd reality. Yeah, yeah it's it's. I mean, in some ways, I think this was necessary for us um, to, to be able to trust the Lord in this sense because there were a few times where some big payments had to be made, especially for my car and uh, yeah, for, it was always this kind of weird thing where like, oh, you had this hidden warranty for this part, which saved us like 2000 and then a second time that happened. And it's kind of like, yeah. okay, I understand, right? It's kind of like... This... It, it gave us comfort that we were doing God's will because he was providing for us. Yeah. So we weren't worried about money. Yeah. No. No. Exactly. So, yeah. That's our. That was. That's sort of a, a highlight of our of our kind of. So I don't know. It's it's going to be very interesting to see five ten years down the line how this will all be because I'm sure a lot of people might be like bashing their heads like why would you leave this or you know you're it sounds like you had basically a steady road to retirement easy living, um, but I don't think that's necessarily what the Lord wants from us. So. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break right now. In the next half, we'll, we'll, we'll jump on some spiritual matters. Hang tight. Now listen to the melody. Maybe it come from me, Sally. And I can sing like Buddy Nelly. I think it's plain to sing. Some people say that's the great. Hey, y'all, welcome back. So we mentioned in the first half that um, we were talking a bit about being complementary and how we're so different, and that has been actually really rich for us. So we wanted just to expand a bit on that and relate it to the 
the life in the church and how we need to relate to others as well. Yeah, it was um, all these experiences, and again, it's 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 you gotta yeah. There's been so much learning from this in in just in our relationship. It's surprising to see how that the, even the challenges I had sort of working at my current job really honestly I tell you boiled down to just not being able to have good humble honest discussions being able to communicate points clearly to one another something that which we had here which I very value in our relationship but just trying to do that within the church to be able to kind of come to some common understanding absolutely at least in my experience so very difficult to find and I because even just in our relationship we disagree about some stuff I mean I I do tend to defer to Joe's judgment in a lot of things, but sometimes just things don't 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 seem right, and then we can discuss it. And Joe is very, I guess, I guess it requires a lot of humility on, on both sides, just to be able to let go of things we feel maybe very strongly, and then listen to the other person's point of view. And yeah, and I mean, I mean, just for us, classic example, which I honestly believe this simple example is an example within the entire church, is that. I'm a very, again, logic, rational individual. Truth. With truth driven, all these things. It's, um, the consequence of that can be sometimes I do forget about the, the people, the experience, what the other person is feeling, which uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I often fall into that. Geneviève, I find, definitely kind of has that kind of when I kind of come in like, this person's a liar. They're trying to destroy the church. She just comes at it from a like a completely different angle. Because I always assume the best of people first first hand. I always assume that they are doing their best as well. So it's just seeing it from this empathetic point of view. It doesn't mean that they're not necessarily right in everything. People can be wrong, but just understanding where they're coming from, it just it, it changes the way you see things. It helps you see the the whole picture and maybe gives you a bit more. Um, What's the word? Leniency? I guess. Towards them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... Uh, and it's, it's, it sounds very surprisingly simple, but how, how difficult it is to put into practice. And, I mean, we see, we see examples of this all over, really. I mean, um, I like to think of, like, one of the classic examples is... And uh, I mentioned before. So, like, you know, someone like Michael Voris, for example, I would classify him as someone who is... I respect him for being someone like who's very truth driven. You know, he's trying to defend the the dogma, the traditions of the faith, and what he believes is the you know there's a there's a full on attack on that, and there's there's a lot of warrant for that. Um, some people will argue like, okay, but how is he going about doing that? His approach, in a sense, is it is it is it really the most effective way to do things? You know, I'm, you you can even mention like your kind of experience, and which I imagine a lot of people who kind of come from your angle feel yeah. when listening to him. Because I agree with everything he's saying. I totally or or For almost everything. That's yeah. right. But it's just the tone he uses, and um, he seems too intense. And I'm thinking, I'm just picturing uh, some of my friends who are not in, very involved in the faith or d- don't believe in in you know in Jesus or anything. Yeah. I think it would totally turn them off and they wouldn't want to discuss for the, like, oh, if everybody's like this, then I'm out, yeah. kind of. So th- I kind of see it from that point of view. But at the same time, I think Michael Voris is very important for people like you, maybe to give you um, ammunition yeah. and maybe a bit of fire for the truth, well, I, I, fighting for the truth, because it's really important. No, I don't necessarily listen to him. I just, I'm like, 
I I see what he's I see his angle as someone being who's very kind of we kind of share a similar trait and the, how the message and how we would do things. I don't I don't necessarily listen to that, but um, you know, versus someone again, someone who's pretty controversial, Father James Martin, for example. You know, that's that's a, that's a <laughs> that's a funny classic uh, person that uh, Michael Voris likes to you know pick on, and there are some interesting reasons for that because yeah, I mean, and this is again. This person, I would say, in some ways, now Viva doesn't necessarily agree with Father James Martin, what he says per se, but you can probably understand maybe why he's trying to say it in a sense. Yes. Like, it's very... He's just trying to to make 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 a, a, a bunch of people feel loved when they're feeling attacked and, and they don't understand what's happening to them or how that relates to the church, and they're trying to make them feel loved and welcome. And I, I mean, I want to do that as well so much, but I think the message he's giving is not very clear and people are getting confused as to what is, you know, what, what is the, what, what is, is the position of the church of the on church these and, and what God wants from all of us. I think that's not being clear from his message. So but, it's you, very, yeah. It's but you know hard. what, like even like I, but do you know what, do you know what the problem is? Like either... The thing is, we're not. I'm not saying that he's completely wrong or completely true. Or the same thing with Michael Voris, for example. There are some pros and cons in in some, perhaps in both sides. I don't really know. I'm not going to weigh on that too much right now. But you know what would be very fruitful is that instead of attacking each other from sort of behind the fence line, wouldn't it be awesome if they were able to actually sit down, talk about this, humbly discuss these things, and maybe, hey. I misunderstood you, and maybe I misunderstood that point. Oh, okay, you're not out to destroy the church, and on the on the contrary, oh, okay, I see you love tradition. That's awesome. You know, let's let's kind of bridge that. Now, this is kind of a wishful thinking too, because also I'm not assuming, because we have to realize sin is real. You know, the devil is real, and all these things. And it some requires pe- a lot of humility to be able to do that. Yeah, but and what I'm saying is that some people on on either side, either extreme, let's say, they may hold incorrect or false notions. The same person who loves truth, in a sense, might be kind of completely lost in sort of what they're focusing on and what truths they hold on to, in a sense, and maybe be completely devoid of charity towards a neighbor. Just like on the opposite extreme, you know, you have, again, someone who is, you know, all for the people, in a sense, but willing to kind of give up sort of the the tough truths in order to kind of bring that person. this isn't going to be like a straightforward, hey, let's talk about it. But what needs to kind of happen in a sense, even just for us, after years of trying to, like, understand each other, there's there's growing pains here. But it comes to the point where like, okay, I don't I don't feel exactly what you're feeling about this, but I can at least see that there is good. It's it's truth in a sense. It's a truth that you understand that's been given to you. It's not one that's obvious to me. But from what we discuss, it's acceptable within the church, yeah, and it's acceptable within the magisterium and the scripture and everything. So yeah, okay. And, I, and, I see what you're saying. And some people are trying. I know that Patrick Coffin Uh, publicly wrote on Facebook, you know, Father James Martin, I invite you once again to have a a conversation. That's true. But then he said, uh, to talk about how your life view is destroying the church. And and, and I'm like, you know what? You just 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 destroyed all the good efforts that you're trying to do. Because of course he won't come on if he's going to feel attacked like this. Yeah, It it feels like it doesn't come from a, a, a very objective, you know, point of view and, yeah, and I, that wouldn't be conducive at all so, so it's ugh, just letting go of of i don't know we were watching a movie on formed about saint augustine re- restless heart restless heart that's yeah. right and it, it talk about it Joel. yeah so there was there was a nice example there i i'm 
I'm, I'm going to say it's, it's an authentic example, although I didn't necessarily read up as if it exactly happened as it was shown in the movie. But near the end of it, as the St. Augustine had his conversion, um, and I think he was a bishop at this point, there, was, um, there were the Donatists, which were, uh, I think, a, I guess, I'm guessing a heretical group, is maybe as I want to say. I can't remember exactly what view they were against. But uh, what happened was, I guess, sort of the leader of the Donatists went to St. Augustine. I think they basically made a deal in the movie that they would let a judge sort of decide who was, I guess, speaking the truth or telling it or whose, whose truth was most convincing. And either side would then have to convert, you know, either the Catholics would become the Donatists or the Donatists would become the Catholic Catholics. And I was like, that was so cool. And then you see basically the person Donatist goes, they gave their speech. St. Augustine goes, gives his speech. The judge rules in favor of the Catholics. And basically, like, this is the amazing part of that was the Donatists go... Again, how historically accurate is, is this? I'm not sure, but it was just no. it was. But you see, they kind of they kind of hug and embrace, and they basically take on the uh, the Donatists come back to the fold. And can you imagine what was going on in their heads? The Donatists, they were probably they probably didn't agree with it, but the humility must have took to, to taken anyways. Yeah, to, to have to, to accept it and yeah. say, all right, we agreed on that. I I I bow to your truth. That I, that just. Yeah, that's, I was so impressed. Yeah, it's and that's something in in some ways too. I mean, the 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 trouble I have even myself is because yeah, again, my my temperament might be more hardwired to truth, tradition, principles, and in, in a sense, my my experience here at this job was was in, I was plunged into a completely dip, the complete opposite reality. Again, this is kind of again maybe the a little bit more you know, alpha, divine renovation, these kinds of, very out of my comfort zone. But I tell you, like, my, my whole thing, and Genevieve can attest to that, is like, okay, I'm here to learn to see what 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 good is there in this? What what are you guys bringing? Like, for a whole year, you didn't really attack anything, you didn't say anything, you just learned. I was just trying to see really, really what, what okay, you know, and this is the reason why for this. Well, a lot of the church is excited by this direction, moving in sometimes this direction. But for me, into like again, I'm a very intellectual person. Just some of the stuff didn't really make sense. So I'm thinking, how could, how could there be sort of these two movements, you know, the traditional side kind of going this way, and then this this other end going this way? Are they both acceptable truths? Are they both you know contained within the all knowing truth that is God? And yeah, I mean that was the whole thing. That was the whole journey. And I tell you, and unfortunately. Uh, throughout my entire time, really trying to get to the to the crux of it, like it was just, the, I was we were not after really many attempts, not able just to have those types of discussions. I mean, that was sort of that was sort of my biggest cross, kind of coming home every yeah. single day was that, you know, attempting to kind of like, hey, why do you feel like this is good? There, because you know, hey, this might be a little bit off, but can you explain to me what you like? What good do you see from it? And I guess maybe I was naive in thinking that people would just want to discuss and share their views. I don't know. I just assumed that that people were well, were very you, open about doing that in a sense. Well, but. because if you're going full steam ahead with a program or with something, well, you you assume that they can defend it or that they they I mean, or they, at least they know why they're doing they it. They know why they're doing it. That's right. And, and and even if you don't know, and that happens to me a lot, I feel a lot, but I cannot put it put into, into words. words. Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't know why I'm feeling this, but I am feeling it, and then I have to take. Take a lot time, of time like, to think about it and think it through and put my feelings into words. And usually I can come up with something. But it's just about t t like communicating against you, Just telling again, him, I, I don't know why I'm feeling like this. Just give me time and I'm going to figure it out. But you of. see that? That's the right way to do it, though. 
and it takes time. Like just like what we were saying. Like and I didn't start off doing doing because that. <laughs> for me again, I might come in with very kind of you know clear, concise arguments, and that's fair. Again, this is sort of again when we're talking about this, it's in many ways the battle here is about the intellectuals versus those who experience things. Like have like, and it's just how do you bridge these two realities? Because on one extreme, the intellects will kind of tell you experiences de- deceiving it could be the devil fair there's some truth in that but the experienced folks will tell you well you're just an intellectual you know cold knowledge you and have th- no charity of christ in you and then also we feeling people we get attacked so whenever you attack something that we truly believe in then oh we feel gosh. personally attacked and that happens to me whenever <laughs> oh. joe says something that i don't agree with and that i feel strongly about i'm gonna get upset and I, I have to think about it. And then I realize I, I feel like he's attacking me. Or whenever he yeah. he talks about like a show that I'm watching and he complains about it, I feel personally attacked. So that is something that could be happening Actually, as well. Just a quick tangent. Like the one early on in our dating relationship, we went to a, we went to a, we were in Quebec, I guess, and we went to a, a mall of yours. In my hometown. In your hometown. Small, small, small town. Anyways, I made the mistake of calling the mall. Oh, this. And I, I basically said, oh, this is a dinky little mall. Okay, I, I was just kind of like, oh, this is just some rinky-dink mall. Uh, you were really wounded by that. I, I was, started crying. And I, and later I on. I held it. I held on. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then eventually, I was so grumpy. And then you're like, what's wrong? And I started crying. And I said, you called my mall dinky. Yes. You hate my hometown. You hate oh, my man. province. My life, everything. <laughs> so, but that's a very important thing. I guess it's, that was sort of my, yeah, just this whole trying to, reach out communicate into this sense but again as we kind of are trying to really emphasize if there's no humility if there's no desire for for the for a genuine desire for truth to be discovered and united between people of two completely different ways of thinking um you'll never get anywhere you know and that's unfortunate because i and what we've kind of seen in our relationship both both sides bring something good and together again we are a body the body of christ mystical body of christ united by you know through through baptism and if we can't really appreciate the 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 the, what the hand does what the foot does and we kind of get into this this isolation this silo it's a very dangerous place to be and i have to say that because you know a person who's kind of hinged on experience can go off in a very dangerous direction and someone else who's just very intellectual can become you know just a heartless heartless yeah so you know we just want to encourage that. Keep on growing in that. It's a very important thing, and we pray that the church can keep on growing in that, and especially that we can keep on growing in that with the uh, yes. the spirit of humility. Two words: communication, communication, and humility. That'll 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 help. So we want to thank you, folks, for chiming in this week. Find us on Facebook. You can write us at romeishomepodcast at gmail Please interact with us. We had no one interact with us, and that makes me sad. Not really, but please do yeah. find us. And uh, if, if you have any comments or questions, uh, don't hesitate, please. Take we want to hear from you. Bye. Yeah.